for those of you who are extra aware of the time and who perhaps may be hyperventilating, having a heart attack that we're just now beginning the sermon, uh, perhaps you'd feel better to know that the, the proper terminology for what we're about to do is a mini-sermon. And so we'll take just a few minutes uh, together as we just con- continue to focus on uh, elements related to, to our being a family um, together. At the end of uh, what, what I'm doing here, we're going to actually be uh, handing out um, uh, papers that we're asking everybody to complete for, for those of you who are members, both male and female adults, uh, in different uh, areas of service that we have at the congregation. So that's going to be coming up um, following this. The, the parable that was just read asked the question, do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? In that original culture, the answer, of course, would be no. Why would you thank him for doing that which he is already expected to do, that which is reasonable for him to do? There's no additional reason to say thank you when all the things are already equal and even. See, it's a hard parable, I think, for us as we look at this parable and we think about it, perhaps because we like to read Scripture first for manners, and we may say, well, there's not very good example of manners here to teach people to not say thank you when people do something nice. But perhaps a bigger reason why I think we struggle with this is because the, the, the writer here is, is Jesus is saying that we are to say we are worthless slaves, but I think more often than not, we say we're overworked and underappreciated. Isn't that our bigger issue. We don't think we're getting the thanks that we deserve. We we live in a culture that's increasingly um, having increasing industries where there are additional tips that are expected and reserved. Just as of this month, Frontier Airlines is now encouraging passengers to tip flight attendants because we recognize that doing just what we were expected to do is no longer enough. There needs to be an additional thank you. So this parable, it's, it's about our relationship with God. And we need to be sure that in our relationship with God, we don't carry over this mentality that God somehow owes us more or that somehow God should be doing more for us. That in fact, we are the slaves. That whatever it is that we do for God, who is our master, we don't expect an additional thank you. Of course, Paul tells us that honor should be given to those to whom it is due, but we should not do what we do for God and then expect God to say, wow, thank you, you're just such an integral part of the team. I don't know what I would do without you. We do it simply because we're worthless slaves. I find it interesting Then in the very next story, Luke 17, verses 11 through 19, there's a story where ten lepers beg for mercy. And Jesus, of course, responds in a merciful act, and he heals them. And then Jesus is wondering why there were not more that came back to say thank you and to praise God for it. Again, it's this recognition of to whom are things owed. God owes us nothing, but we as his servants owe him everything. And we should recognize by going back to God and giving him what is due. I think one of the things that we come to find is that in a healthy, vibrant, intimate relationship with God, one of the signs of maturity is service that we begin to serve both God himself and God's people and the communities that we find ourselves in. And so I'm just going to give us six bullet points this morning on service, things to keep in mind. And the first, in fact, is addressed uh, probably to myself or to those in leadership. Because when we talk about service, I think that there have been some missteps in the past, and I want to be sure that I acknowledge those as we go forward. 
Uh, so I begin with an apology that sometimes the church blames the lack of volunteers on you without giving appropriate consideration to the role of leadership. If somebody volunteers and they're not given the support and the resources need, they need and then they burn out, perhaps that's not the responsibility of the person who volunteered. Or perhaps you've volunteered in the past for something that you thought was going to last a month and 10 years later you're still in that position. Perhaps somebody else should be helping you to make sure we cycle in new people. What if you volunteer for a position and you find yourself uh, subject to unnecessary criticism and there's nobody there to have your back and to make sure that those who volunteer are taken care of? Burnout sometimes is a sign that we who are in leadership roles have not played the supportive role that we need to. And I apologize to anyone who's been in a service position and then been ridiculed for it, even though perhaps it was a structure that leadership was responsible for. I'm sorry when leadership has relied too heavily on guilt as the primary tool to manipulate people into service. Perhaps you've done something simply because somebody has said, well, if you were a good Christian, you would. And you do it and you find yourself hating and miserable the entire time you're doing that very thing. Uh, I, I think that the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to get us to where we need to be that perhaps all the arm twisting can be set aside and left aside. In fact, I think that the Holy Spirit gives us areas of passion, things that we are gifted at, things that we are talented at, and things that we enjoy. And perhaps if all of us moved involuntarily into those areas, all of us would find much more joy in the service that we are a part of. And the third thing, I just want to make sure that I apologize for times when we have, in leadership, have been blinded by our need to fill a position that we've tried to force somebody into a position that wasn't a good fit for them. Somebody once said, oftentimes, when you, you need to be sure that you fit shoes to the feet, not feet to the shoes. And I think church is a place where we can easily um, find ourselves guilty of saying, here, make your foot fit this shoe. But again, if the Holy Spirit is at work in, in gifting people in, in unique ways and giving these gifts for the common good of all, we will find that perhaps there's something other than just this recruiting model that we need to say, here's a position, come and fill it. But instead, we can move towards an equipping model where we ask you as members, what are you passionate about? In what areas do you want to serve? And we help to move you in that direction and help to equip you in that so one of the things that you'll notice on the forms that you're about to get is that we no longer are trying to do a yes and a no answer. Well, you're, you're going to notice a spectrum, one through ten, one being I'm not interested at all in doing it, and ten I'm actually excited about doing this. And so as we're putting people into areas of service, we would like as many people to be in areas of service where they're passionate about, and we would like as best as possible to give you as little opportunity to do the things that you say I'm not at all interested in doing that. Because as the Spirit gifts and enables us, we'll find that's a possibility. But we do need to recognize that service can be a sign of spiritual maturity, but it can also be a source of spiritual pride. If you in any way in your service get the sense that you are somehow puffed up or lifted up or better than, and you look at all these other people and say, well, why aren't these guys? We need to be very careful about service. That service is something we do out of reverence and respect for our master, that it's not a competition with each other. There's, there's no single line that God says, you need to do this much and I'm going to consider you a worthy servant. And so as we're looking at it, be careful of spiritual pride when it comes to areas of service. 
I do want you to make sure that you note that biblical service is much more broader than what you do for the church. Some people say that the only measurement of service is how many things you're doing for the church. I'm going to suggest a different model for you. If you think about the different categories of responsibilities you have at work and with your family and with the church and in the community, I actually think it would be better if each of us did one area of service in each of those four categories than all of us doing all four areas of service to the church, right? Because we are to be a salt and we are to be a light and we are to be witnesses to the community. If all of our service is wrapped up here, where is our service to the community? Where is our service to our neighbors? And so as you think about that, think about how do you balance making sure that you're serving appropriately in the different areas that you're involved in. The sixth and the final thing I want to be sure you know is that no is an appropriate answer to a ministry request. Oh, gasp. Yes. Now, I think that as we look at this, we need to be sure that our no is not coming out of place of, of sloth or laziness or misplaced priorities. Sometimes that is an issue. But, but what we need to recognize is sometimes we say no in order to say yes to something else. So you may say no to teaching a kid's class in order to say yes to mentoring a teenager. You may say no to serving as a deacon in order to say yes to caring for your family. We all recognize that every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to about 100,000 other things. So let's be careful about those yeses that we do, that we can, we can use those in a way. Now, I do want to say, if you're saying no to something right now because you don't know how to do it, you don't know what that would entail, ask someone to teach you and to train you. If you go through your whole life saying, no, because I don't know how to do that, and then a year later, no, because I don't know how to do that, and a year later, no, because I don't know how to do that, maybe it's time to learn. Everything that has been done in our lives, we do by practice and by learning. So there may be somebody you need to tap on the shoulder and say, hey, I don't feel equipped to do this. Can you help me? Or there may be somebody, you may tap somebody on the shoulder and say, I actually think I have absolutely zero gifts whatsoever. I mean, I'm, I'm, that, I'm that one person who God did not give a single gift to. And I bet we can help you find one. An area and a way of service. See, Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 4.10, Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. And so we've received gifts, and we want to be sure that it's being used, again, for the family and being a part of that. So we've got some, uh, uh, some young men who are going to start handing out forms. Here's what you need to know about the forms. This is the most important thing. If you receive the white form, which everyone should, write your name on it. When we duplicated it, it did not include the name thing. So if you have, you know, you signed 10 of everything, we're like, here they are, the ideal Christian. And then there's no name. We won't know who to put to work. Okay, so white form, make sure somewhere top right corner, put your name on it. So if you get a white form, what are you going to do? Wow, good stuff. I like that. Okay, now, also, if you have already completed a form online, you do not need to do this. This is the exact same form. If you would prefer to do it online, there's a web address up here. You can do it online. Now, we're going to go and have the guys start handing them out. Raise your hand if you need one. Everyone should receive a white form unless you've completed already. And men only will receive a blue form. So if you have not, if you are a, a member of this church and you have not already completed one, go ahead and raise your hands and the young men. And I don't know, Trey, can I call you a young man? Is that offensive to you? The The... The, the, uh, the, the young and the more mature 
young men will be handing out these forms. So make sure you raise now. We're going to encourage you, before you leave this morning, to complete them and put them on the table. See, there's this funny thing that happens with forms whenever they go home, they run away. They hide under your car seat or they jump into the recycle bin before you even were able to complete it. So my encouragement, I've thought about holding you hostage, saying we're not leaving here until we get all those back. But I'm going to trust you guys as, as, as good, God-honoring, mature Christians to complete these forms. So we're going to start singing a song here in just a moment. As we sing that, we'll continue handing out these forms. Once the closing prayer is done, I'd encourage you, go ahead and get it completed. And then hand it in on the back table. Richard will be back there. We would like to see at least 80% of the people here this morning make sure we get this updated list. If you have done this in the past, go ahead and do it again because there's new areas of service. And again, we have a different format where we're trying to find what is it that you're passionate about doing and how can we get you involved. So let's go ahead and stand and sing. Again, continue to raise your hands as the young boys are going to be handing this out during the song. Uh, but we'll go ahead and stand and sing for this uh, final song this morning.